Hello, I'm re-recording this talk. It didn't work a couple of weeks ago, so uh, you have the pleasure of a, a special recording <laughs> of this talk. I want to start with a story uh, before we read God's Word. A golfer who had been playing badly went to a psychiatrist who told him to relax by playing a round of golf without a ball. Uh, do everything you'd normally do, but use an imaginary ball, advised the psychiatrist. So the golfer tried it the next day, stepped up on the first tee. He imagined he got a 260-yard drive. He made an approach to the green. Then he putted for par. The round went amazingly. He then approached the 18th hole. He met another golfer who was playing the same way with no ball. The other golfer had seen the same psychiatrist. They decided to play the last hole together and they bet $10 on the outcome. The first golfer swung at his imaginary ball and announced it went 280 yards right down the middle of the fairway. The second golfer matched his drive exactly. The first uh, golfer then took out his five iron and he swung at the imaginary ball and he said, look at that shot, it went right over the flag, it spun back and it went in the hole. I win. No, you don't, said the golfer. You hit my ball. We're continuing our series called The Fight to Be Salt and Light. And it's a command from Jesus to his followers. This is how you are to live. How do we live as salt and light people? We've looked at be generous, be servant-hearted, be persistent. This morning, I want to look at be real. To be shining bright and to be a good taste to the world around us. I believe being real in our walk with Jesus is so important. With him and with each other. Realness, vulnerability, honesty. And this passage is part of John's account of Jesus and his journey to Galilee. And uh, we see him having now arrived at Galilee where we see the, G the story of Jesus healing an official son. His second sign recorded by John after the miracle of the wedding of Cana turning water into wine. We must be people who are real, who are living in the reality of what's around us but trusting in a supernatural God, a God who can do the impossible. So let's read John chapter 4 verse 43 to 54. After the two days, he left for Galilee, that being Jesus. Now, Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honour in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they also had been there. Once more, he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay ill at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you'll never believe. The royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that the boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when the son got better, they said to him yesterday at one in the afternoon, his fever left him. Then the father realised this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. Amen. We have three wonderful boys and it's such a blessing. But with all three, in particular our first and most recent, they were born quite unwell. 
uh, when they arrived and I remember in my panic and in my fear, especially when we were firstborn, I cried the deepest tears. They were guttural and I cried, help, Jesus, help. I, and I had a phone call with a friend and I remember it, yeah, on the motorway to process that first day driving home myself. That struggle, that kind of kind of difficult to breathe kind of speaking. It's the one of the realest moments I've had with Jesus telling him how I, I am really feeling. And I'm sure like me, we, we don't do that enough. We hold it together, we push on, we keep calm and carry on. I detest that phrase, I'm glad it's kind of disappeared. We must be a real people. And Jesus always uses these moments powerfully, redemptively and in love. We're going to look at three cries to Jesus that can be seen in this passage. The first one being welcome Jesus from the Galileans as Jesus entered Galilee in verse 45. Then help Jesus, the cry of the official to Jesus to help his dying son in verse 47. And then I believe you Jesus, the response of the official son and household after the miracle. I'm going to look at these shouts and I want to ask us, what are we shouting today to the King of Kings? What is our true heart cry today? So the first one is, welcome Jesus. Based on verse 45, when Jesus is entering Galilee. And a couple of points on this. It's a welcome from these people, but it's not really a welcome. We read in verse 44, Jesus says, A prophet has no honour in his own country, yet he returns. Why? Because that was part of God's plan, the redemptive plan that led to him dying on a cross, going to his own people, his people that don't accept him. That's what he does. Anyway, Jesus was brought up in Galilee. This is a homecoming. He's saying he won't be welcome in verse 44. Yet in verse 45, it says that he was welcomed. It's quite bizarre. But Jesus is spot on. This was an empty welcome. It wasn't a welcome based on who Jesus was or what the word of God says. It wasn't a real welcome. I used to work in several customer facing environments. So I know a wee bit of what good service looks like. So when I'm the recipient of good service, I absolutely love it. I come alive. But see, when I'm not, it grates my gears. I want you to think about a terrible welcome you maybe got at a restaurant. You maybe don't get shown to your table. There's no chat. The waiter is just miserable. He wants to be anywhere but here. It takes 30 minutes before drinks arrive. You're forgotten and you have to remind them you're still there. You don't have menus. They're thrown onto your table. It's the wrong food that arrives, the bill hasn't been calculated right. And then at the very end you have a choice on the machine to offer a tip. The audacity. You feel like you're not noticed, you feel like a bystander and inconvenience. Now imagine we are the waiter of our life or our day. Things come in and enter at different points, good things and bad things. And Jesus is there in our room our room of the day, or our room of our life, all these tables needed attended to. We say, take a seat, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Welcome into this day. Have a seat there. I wonder what kind of welcome we really give him. Is he noticed in our space? Is he a bystander? How do we serve him? Is he reminding us, oh, I'm over here, Thomas. I could help with that. Are you coming over? Are we spending time? See, we see in the passage, it isn't a real welcome. You're welcome, Jesus, into my life, but don't go there. You're welcome, Jesus, into my week, but not on a Tuesday. 
You're welcome, Jesus. Come and speak into my life, but not this part. I've got that sorted. You're welcome, Jesus. Give me wisdom and guidance, but I know what to do here. You know, we miss out. But I just love that Jesus won't ever up and leave. He isn't storming out in a huff. He isn't giving up. He isn't He isn't leaving. He's still waiting on us. He loves us. He's ready. He's available. Maybe looking at the welcome Jesus got entering Galilee is a challenge to what kind of welcome we give him in our day-to-day. Let's not miss out. So welcome Jesus. We, then we see help Jesus. We see the cry of help from the official in verse 47, 49. An official more than likely to Herod and a cry of help for his son who is at death's door. This man has more than likely heard the news of the events in Cana, has travelled 20 miles or so from Capernaum to Cana to see Jesus. What are the lengths that we go to in despair to meet Jesus? Are we looking to Jesus in our anguish? Are we looking to Jesus in our moments of desperation where we need a breakthrough, where we need a solution, where we need something answered? Where do we go? How desperate are we? Can you heal my dying son? The man asks. Jesus responds, You're all only interested in signs and wonders. It feels almost like a rebuke to this man. But it's not. It's a comment to the surrounding people. The man's request, the very request, the fact that he's asking Jesus, would suggest some faith in Jesus. The people around the man, he's calling out. You just want to see the miracles. You just want to see the fireworks. But also commentators suggest that it's a test to the man. And his response passes the test. To this test, the man says, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus replies, You may go. Your son will live. In verse 50. The NIV catches the meaning, but not the ambiguity of the statement. If you look a little bit deeper. Literally, it says simply, Go, your son lives. Poriu hohaios suzi. This need not convey uh, this this need not convey the rather positive message that's implied in the NIV. The official could have heard this as a simple command to go away, especially since lives doesn't imply healing. Despite this possible misunderstanding, this ambiguity, it says the man took Jesus at his word and departed. Here it becomes clear that Jesus' statement about needing to see signs and wonders isn't applying to this man. He believed Jesus' word alone, even a potentially ambiguous word. Even though he had requested that Jesus come with him to heal his son in verse 47, he believes that Jesus could do it without coming with him. Here is faith indeed. So I want to encourage us to be persistent. We see parallels uh, in this account. Well, in saying help Jesus, we see parallels in this account to the account of water into wine. Which does in a way suggest that God does test our faith and our reliance. We have the unexpected thrust before Jesus. We have the initial rebuke, the test of faith. We have the person's continuing concern. And then Jesus gives his instructions. There's a continuing theme here. We see it with the persistent widow. Never give up. Do we need to shout help Jesus for something today? Maybe we've asked once and twice and we haven't asked again. Maybe it's help for a friend or a family member that's so far removed from Jesus that we need a miracle. 
Persistence is acting with a sense of urgency, knowing that tomorrow is too late. I wonder if we lived out of tomorrow being too late, what would change? What would our faith look like? What if we lived with that mindset? For me, I would pray bigger prayers. I would take more risks and be more deliberate and urgent. Urgency. The official son had it. The persistent widow had it. Jesus' mother had it. He, they took Jesus at his word, an act of faith. We are believing you're going to move in this, Lord. We have faith. I will ask again and again because I believe you can move in this situation. What do we need to bring afresh to God this morning that we need to start persistency in? Maybe some of us are really struggling because of the time waiting on God to break through in a situation. And to be persistent is really hard to hear because we've heard it all before. Cynicism is maybe flowing. Maybe that's our heartbeat today. The enemy loves to whisper, he's not hearing you. You've been here before. And I believe that there's some lies to be broken off today. You are not ignored. You are not too far gone. He has you. You are to press in. Some of us in our cry of help is for refuge. It's for respite. It's for rest. It's just for a breather. Psalm 119 verse 114. You are my refuge and shield. For some of us, life has been like a fast moving train and you don't know how to slow down. I just felt that was a picture. And we're to come with our help, Jesus. We're to come with our, I need you, Lord. How many of us is that the cry of our heart? How often is that the cry of our heart? Is it ever the cry of our heart? Is help hard to cry for? Is help a sign of weakness? Is help a dirty word? We will have a chance to respond later and I encourage you to do so. Then we see, I believe you, the official and family. Jesus says to this man, following his second plea in verse 50, Go, your son will live. The man then took Jesus at his word and departed. The official requested that Jesus came up and heal him there. He'd come to take Jesus back with him. Just come and follow me back the 20 miles. But the official, upon hearing the words of Jesus, took Jesus at his word and left. And halfway through the journey was greeted by servants who went to find him to tell him his son was healed and they pieced together the puzzle, the times. When Jesus, the very moment that Jesus spoke those words, the boy was healed. What faith. And amazing to see the power of Jesus at work. I want to encourage us today, there is power in the name of Jesus. This is what happened here in Jesus' words to the man. He met with Jesus there. Five words. The world would say, what a cop-out. Yeah, right, but the man took Jesus at his word. He had faith. He travelled back full of faith. It was a long journey, but he must have had peace, as it suggested that he stayed overnight somewhere en route back. He knew Jesus had it. He encountered him supernaturally in his fullness, and the word spoken landed and led to supernatural healing of an ill boy and led to peace in the man to go. This is a boy that wasn't even in Jesus' physical presence. This is a boy that's maybe not even aware of Jesus. But this is a boy who experienced a powerful demonstration of God's kingdom and power. And the household believed. How could they not? And no doubt shared. It's remarkable. 
I believe you, Jesus. I believe what's in your word. I believe in God, our Father. I believe in Christ, the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again for I believe in the name of Jesus. Do we take the Lord at his word? Do we believe? Do we take him at his word and walk? I love that the man went after hearing Jesus. I love that he walked. Jesus' words were all that he needed. I love that the servants met him. I love that the moment that Jesus spoke, the very moment the boy was healed. This is not made up. This is not confined to past. This is not folklore. This is not stopped. This is the same God today. This is the same Jesus today. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. The man walked on his word. Oh, that, that we would be people that walk on his word word the trust that he will make all things new to be salt and light we have to be real with Jesus and with each other and in that he will make himself known in and through us more in the most wonderful and beautiful ways if you're in a place where you feel your relationship with God isn't in a great space be real with that what are we needing to shout out this morning? Welcome, Jesus. Real open arms, all of us. Help, Jesus. A real cry for current situations for us or for others we know. I believe you, Jesus. A real declaration of standing and walking on his word. A relying on his presence with us. A trusting wholeheartedly in our days and weeks ahead. Be real. Let's fight putting up masks. Amen.